0: I want my Black Lightning
1: quads a movie. <laughs> It'll just be like him lighting the, uh, the menorah every day and be like, <laughs> Unity. <laughs> <laughs> Unity. Hey,
0: hey,
1: hey, hey, hey. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename
0: Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice
1: on. Yet yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Sham. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the
0: year Cow and Chicken won an Annie award for best animated short.
1: Yes. Great (laughs) award winner.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That weird cow and chicken show. Guess what? It started at the top.
1: So, and it stayed there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But, um, speaking of the Annie awards, uh, the awards that are given to animated productions, we are doing our own set of Annie awards here. We're doing our YADCAP awards, uh, giving awards out for everything connected to the Young Justice series. As you heard last week, we had completed our entire animated production run of the series. So now it's time to see, you know, who out there was the best of the best of the best and who was the worst of the worst of the worst. <laughs> who did us harm and um, who made us out here? Sorry, it's cursing like Maalifa Ek, but really we know in our hearts is Macom X. Always, Always. keep up that struggle for freedom brother just don't (laughs) stop killing people yeah yeah i mean we would be on your side but we won't be on your side like the sod but we'll be on your side (laughs)
0: we'll be like good neighbors but we won't support what you're doing
1: (laughs) oh my gosh yes so um along with our Annie awards we are also going to be covering um because we want to make sure we complete the entire run and the storytelling of the young justice series so we will be giving a brief overview of what happened during young justice targets this was the comic that came out it serves as a bit of an epilogue for our animated series um so i guess we're just going to jump right into it we're going to do things a little differently today actually (laughs) Uh, mainly because it's not like we have a cast list. We don't have um, we don't have an episode title. This is just Young Justice finale awards and such. <laughs> so, starting with it, we're going to actually switch it up a bit, and instead of doing our comic book knowledge at the very end of our show, we're going to do it in the beginning because we know that you're all here to hear who you're giving the person who got the most L's in this entire series. <laughs> so, just a quick run through of the Young Justice targets comic. Uh, It's only six issues, really quick, really short. Um, It was greenlit in 2021, and then it was announced in 2022 following the conclusion of the animated series. Uh, It's one of the few comics to actually start, well, at least officially start on DC Universe Infinite with Hmm. um, issue number one dropping on June 14th, 2022. So the way that it it operated was that uh, with the first issue dropping on June 14th of uh, 2022, Every month, what they did was um, they would release the physical copy of that issue in comic book stores. You had 30 days to read it online, um, whether you were paying, I think it was like $7.99 a month or now it's at the price of $199, sorry, 109 Whoa, whoa, Yeah, I mean, I paid $200 annually for comics, <laughs> though I probably have in the past. <laughs> so you would wait 30 days before the physical drop in stores. Um, and that happened to the point where it was like the first two issues released on DC Universe Infinite before it released in, um, in comic book stores on July 26th. So the whole story, the six issues was written by Greg Weissman, as we know, is the show running, the producer, executive producer of Young Justice. And he teamed up with um, um, Inker and Pencilers, uh, Christopher Jones and Jason Wright to provide the artwork. Now, as I mentioned, it's only six issues and comics, they uh, they get through when we say six issues. That's really just like sometimes just one day. And that does not change here because uh, the timing for this is November 9th through the 11th with a bunch. And I mean, a bunch of flashbacks.
0: I love those. It reminds me <laughs> a triptych, huh? Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to jump right in. I'll start with um the first issue of it, where um, starting on November 11th, actually, we see that Beast Boy is somehow kind of on the Outsiders team, not for active duty, but he decided to join in because Perdita was kidnapped. And Stargirl is telling him that, like, hey, don't know if you should be on this team. However, you're still going to be with us because we understand that it's Perdita. And as they get ready to leave, we hop back two days prior where we see one of the biggest teams in the Young Justice universe. Bo Hunter Security is here providing a bodyguard um, detail for Perdita as her private jet lands. Uh, We're joined by Will, Roy, Jim and um, the Harper bros, the Roy gang, as well as Harlan Matthews, as we know as Clayface. Uh, Plus things. Will has a new clipboard. However, he doesn't like it because the weight is off.
0: You know, it's just like Mjolnir. And, you know, when he had Thor had to get rid of that, same thing, same thing. (laughs)
1: Um, So they're there to make sure that Perdita's presence and her journey is going smooth. Uh, We hop over now to a Markovian National Penitentiary where Count Vertigo is having disagreement with some of the people in prison about the quality of food. That's when we see four armored soldiers break in. They take uh, Count Vertigo. They fly off with him, some other people, including one of them being Simon X. So we find out that apparently Vertigo had orchestrated this whole breakout um, I mean, I think it would probably make Michael Scofield very proud from Prison Break, though it was a bit over the top, I must say. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, Hunter Security is traveling with Perdita. They head over to um, Star Labs because apparently she's there on a couple of like um, royal missions and she wanted to check out Star Labs because apparently they're going to be building a facility in her home country of lots Vlad- of stuff and I hope that I rolls off I the coming. tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I that's one word that I've never seen so many V's in my entire life. Um, <laughs> uh, so while they're there, we also get reintroduced to um, uh, Dr. Roquette, who we met in our infiltrators episode from the first season. Um, she's there with her colleagues, Dr. Dinah Lance and Oliver Queen. Hmm, yeah, okay, you casually know <laughs> two superheroes, <laughs> cool, yeah, so we find out that the main thing that comes up is that like the they decide to bond Dr. Roquette and Perdita because they have the same purse that comes from the store Forever 16. Obviously, this is just a pun on the fact that Forever 21 exists and we live, this is the Earth, Earth 16 here that we're living in. All this is happening as they're geeking out over their purses and then the same armored soldiers that broke out um, Count Vertigo come in They start taking everybody out. They hit everybody with these little darts that start knocking everybody out. Um, At one point, Oliver jumps into action, tells um, Jim Harper to hit him with the Maneuver 7. Um, (laughs) Jim quickly asks, like, what in the world is that? But he realizes that it's just the DC Universe's version of the fastball special. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, though, because everybody gets hits with this dart, um, there are only a few people that actually... Are able to survive or rather just avoid the darts. And clayface goes full clayface. That's something that comes up in a line where he just says, I need to go full Clayface," And uh that's now his new catchphrase, I'm assuming. <laughs> and issue one ends there, at least the main story of it. The way it ends up working is that every single there's a post-credit kind of where <laughs> we see that almost every hero involved here gets a chance to explain how they first met Perdita. And the first one to talk about his first meeting of her is Will Harper, the clone, when he was still a clone version of Roy Harper before he knew what was happening. So he um he was on a mission to protect Perdita's father. Unfortunately, he came face to face with the number one villain that we like. Uh, what's his name now? Well, it's not, task. <laughs> yeah, it's not task. Um Sportsmaster. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> it's right there in my face, too. I don't know why I missed it. <laughs> He's on this mission. He has to protect Perdita's father, the king of the um, of V Land. I, I can't I can't pronounce it anymore. So <laughs> you, you uh, use up your pronunciations for today. exactly. <laughs> um, unfortunately, this is when before he had found out about him being the clone. So uh Sportsmaster uses the cabin's programming of Broken Arrow to knock Red Arrow out. And when he wakes up, he sees that the king is dead, meaning that Perdita is now an orphan. Mm. And he concludes his whole story saying that I will never fail Perdita again, which is a callback to what he says at the end of the main story, too. Um, So now we hop on over to um to, J- to Justice League land. Uh, we're in the Hall of Justice. Black Lightning is on a call with Cyborg next to him. Uh, fun fact, Cyborg is now a Justice League member. Sometime between season, the end of season three to now, he became a Justice League member, which is wild level of promotion <laughs> but um oracle is able to connect black lightning and cyborg to a new call they have come in which is Brion, who is saying that he's going to um because vertigo was in his prison he's gonna go and with his infinitors and bring vertigo in uh this also leads to him saying that like the infinitors are going to be responsible for saving queen perdita and at the end of this the call Garus is just like he doesn't like how things were left off however he does know that um he because he can't do anything he'll see what the infinitors and brion are able to do this is kind of like the beginning of issue two so this call with brion and brion rallying the troops this is issue two And we see that Wonder Girl is footballing the entire mission from um, the Hollywood place that they have at the home of the Outsiders. So she's working with, and now they're no longer like Alpha Squad and Gamma Squad. They actually go by animal code names now. So we have Raptor Squad.
0: Come Well, I mean, if it's cool, I guess that's acceptable. (laughs) Even though I don't think any of them can turn into Raptors except for Beast
1: Boy. Yeah, he's not even on that team,
0: right? So yeah, mm, sus. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so Raptor Squad is operating in Paris, following Henchy, um, you know, the Forever henchman. <laughs> uh, so Robin, it's this team has Robin, Eldorado, and Looker, who are able to find uh Henchy. And they're able to use Looker's, after they're able to corner him, they use Looker's telekinetic abilities to find out that Henshi has no idea about anything dealing with this entire scenario. So he didn't even know that Vertigo was actually broken out of prison. He was just literally just on a paris stroll and was attacked by these superheroes.
0: Well, I mean, it's either that or he goes back to prison in Aquaman land. And, you know, you know what that does to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Still better than Arkham or the other prison that we found <laughs> out about at the end of the season. Oh, Phantom <laughs> Zone, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, we hop back over to the Royal Palace in Markovia, where uh, Hot Lava now is rallying the Infinitors. Um, Fury explains that they have some intelligence about the whereabouts of Vertigo's place, so they decide to head on out. It's um, Geoforce, Fury, Trajectory, and Everyman, and this is when um Z- Zivad the the advisor to Brion who has that like low level meta human ability of tell um of controlling people does tell Trajecting every man that they have to do everything in their power to protect their king no matter what and mm-hmm. it's like shady it's obviously shady because we've already known in that uncompleted story that was introduced in the last couple of <laughs> episodes of season 4 that they're all evil meanwhile cyborg once is back on the Watchtower with like black lightning says he wants to help but because he's a justice leaguer he can't because it's too high profile so that's why they send in the covert team and the covert team consists of nightwing mist orphan spoiler and unfortunately 13 is not able to join them because it's now her turn of being dr fate uh tigress is also there she decides to step back because she's going to quarterback from her end as the entire team, the beta squad now for this particular group, they go through the Zeta tube. Um, And then we see what's happening with the Infinitors. We find out that apparently Count Vertigo knew that the Infinitors were coming all along because even though um, every man had turned into a raccoon and Cobalt, the the little one that is able to kind of like basically the rip off of um, of um, the atom, he's he They're riding, he's riding Raccoon back, and they know that they're there. So they decide to send in the same armored individuals to take out the Infinitors. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, that's why you don't go full Raccoon, guys. All right? Go full Raptor.
1: (laughs) Commit. Also, I'm I'm a little upset that every man could turn into animals. Like, why is your name every man? Mm.
0: See, I think that's just bad marketing again. And yeah, you 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 honing in on Beast
1: Boy's stick.
0: Nah. Come on. That's copyright, bro.
1: hmm Uh, in that moment, because they decide that the mission is on and is turned violent, uh, every man turns into Tusk. Yes, yeah. let's go. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Immediately change my mind on this man. <laughs> so while this is all happening, we see that um People have like some people decide to split off to go fight off against the um, all the goons and all the, the armored henchmen. Um, but luckily, every like somebody is able to find um, Perdita in this place that Brion and the rest of the Infantors are looking. And Brion says, all right, I think the best thing for you to do is go with one of my team members um, while we handle this situation. So you'll be safe in Markovia in the palace. But Perdita says that, no, I'd rather Brion be the one to bring me back. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. So he takes her back to the palace. But in that moment, they see that every man has disappeared. So trajectory, the volunteers to go and see if she could find him. But instead, she finds Yvonne, who's telling her that uh, the mission was a success and that the Perdita has been taken back to the palace. And at that moment, he's standing next to a lot of these armored individuals. So you're wondering, like, what's going on, especially Fury, because she sees that once Brion leaves, all of these armored people start running away. Issue two kind of ends with that. Meanwhile, it does have another post credit where um, Oliver is in his hospital bed. We find out that apparently every single person that was hit by one of the darts was actually hit by a coma inducing uh, concoction of pharmaceuticals that... Artemis knows well because it's the same concoction that Sportsmaster uses in the past to put people out in a coma for, like, a couple of days. That's terrifying that she knows that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she says there is an antidote, but it will still take some time for them to wake up, like, a good couple of hours. Or at least a day.
0: Damn. Well, helps with insomnia, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we see that Oliver's having a flashback of his own or a dream state where he sees himself um, three days prior. He's on the phone with Perdita. Perdita tells him that she's coming, but she needs his assistance. Uh, and that triggers a memory for him from 10 years before that. <laughs> oh, God! <gosh. laughs> <laughs> so we see Oliver. He's driving through traffic. He's trying to make it to the airport. Um, he hears about Princess Perdita visiting. And he's calling Dinah, telling her to um, that he'll meet her at baggage claim. All the while, he's just like, I gotta get there, I gotta get there. So Oliver arrives at the airport. He um, he's on the phone with Dinah, telling her don't leave, um, and that he'll meet her at baggage claim. While also also saying that like he loves her, and he's like messing around with like a box in his pocket. Um, and just want to say trigger warning for this next set of stuff because it is it does include um, dangerous situations at an airline unfortunately once oliver arrives and perdita starts coming down um, someone starts to open fire into the crowd and oliver immediately jumps into action he tries to take down the um the assailant at the same time unfortunately a lot of um Perdita's guards, like her, one of her bodyguards, the TSA agent, and um, the top one who's been with her this entire time, Denny, they all get hit. And Oliver is able to jump into the situation and at least get Perdita out of the space. All while he's, like, having this dream within the dream in his coma state. I see.
0: I see. One of those Nightwing coma dream things.
1: yeah. Uh, this brings us to um, our third issue now where um, Wonder Girls get the details from Brion about the situation in Markovia, how they were able to save Perdita. But unfortunately, they weren't able to capture Count Vertigo. So Brion says he's he and his defenders are going to continue on with that mission. Unfortunately, Beast Boy is there to hear it. And he's just like, I really have some doubts um, after everything that happened. And we see now that one of the things, again, that happened is, like, the entire um, grouping of people who were there, they were unfortunately hit by this. So um, they're washing over. We have Arrowette who's there. She's apparently now another one of uh, Green Arrow's mentees. So she's there for her mentor. And this is when Wonder Girl calls her over to tell her that she needs to head on over so they can meet up. All while everybody's given the rundown about what happened, about henchy not being involved um and they just decide they need to figure out a new plan which is nightwing spoiler missed an orphan um trying to figure out their next stage of stuff so they after being in the hospital they decide that there must have been some reason for why Perdita was there in the first place. So they find out something that required that tells them to we need to head over to a location in Perdita's homeland to see maybe there might be something there that might clue into why it was that she decided to arrive um, at the Royal Palace. We got Brion decides to escort Perdita to her room. Uh, she gets her own security detail now of the new Infinitoris cadets of Lizard Johnny and Jets. Cheers um, for
0: Lizard Johnny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also we've met Jet. Um remember that girl when Static was just like he needs a girlfriend for the entire episode and there was that one black girl? Mhm. Yeah, that was Jet. <laughs> well, I guess it's better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After some time, um, Rion is just still trying to figure out what to do. He's like very getting frustrated about the fact they he can't find vertigo, but he's feeling confident over the fact that they did have this small win over the fact that Perdita um, is safe. So he's just like, let me go check in on Perdita one more time. And when um, Jet and Lizard Johnny are hanging outside, they're like, we haven't heard anything from her. So when they open the door, they see that Perdita is missing. Hmm. And we see that he decides to tell every man and trajectory to search for Perdita. And the more that we think about it, the more we realize that every man has been missing this entire time. And it's possible that every man was the one that was impersonating Perdita.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like a Clayface level maneuver. I I see it coming.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is all going on. Meanwhile, Nightwing is with his crew of orphan. Um, missed as well as um, as or and um, spoiler and they're in this place looking for any trace of what's going on unfortunately though they get immediately attacked by the same armored soldiers that first broke out uh, count vertigo and they're like all right we need to take them down we need to take them down fast make sure not to hurt anybody unfortunately or um, orphan cuts off one of their heads (laughs) Well, you know,
0: they when they said "herd," you know, everyone has different interpretations,
1: right? Uh, fortunately for them, though, none of these armored soldiers were real; these were all robots. Of course,
0: I bet they're monkeys next.
1: Um, well, think about that. (laughs) (laughs) They are the same. They after destroying them all, they found out that it was the same technology. That was used in the spider bots that also helped to influence the monkeys. Mm. So they're like, clearly, this couldn't be the count, the work of Count Vertigo. It has to be the work of the one and only Lex Luthor. So we get another. That's how that issue three issue ends. We get another flashback. Um, it's basically Green Arrow fighting for his life in this airport, trying to protect Perdita. They're having a good rapport, um, and it's it's a. It's it's a good moment. Um, basically, unfortunately, though, it does end with him getting hit with an arrow from um, Dark Archer uh, Merlin, who we call in the outside of the Arrowverse. <laughs> um, so that's how that mission ends. Um, that that issue ends as we hop on over now to. Um, news reports announcing that even though they were that Perdita was saved in Marcovia, she's still missing because uh, she hasn't reported back. So Beast Boy is just like, All right, that's it. I'm done. I need to head on over and find out what's going on. um Meanwhile, they still find out some more details as they start piecing things together with the help of Robin and Nightwing that something must have gone down that caused. Um, Perdita to try to get to uh, Star Labs and to contact Green Arrow and Black Canary, and they're realizing that that purse that they had, that she had, that that, um, Dr. Roquette also had, must have been the thing to use to create some kind of switch um, because maybe she brought something back from where she was to bring it over to Star Labs for safekeeping. Unfortunately, that plan got leaked, so Garfield believes that it was Count Vertigo, but he explains that no, it was definitely Lex Luthor. Um, so they decide to head on over to LexCorp, figure out what's going on, to question him about his situation with everything, and this turns into a mission for the outsiders. So they rally up. We got Beast Boy who decides to join the crew. Uh, this is when of at this moment, uh, Superboy he's on the crew. One of the girls on the crew um you got static and beat blue beetle so they arrive while leanne comes in with her grandmother um paula croc to the hospital because she wants to check in on uncle ollie as well as everybody else and this is when she's just like you know i want to be there for him because maybe this will help him maybe um this will help him break him out but I realized that this was also like a three-year-old or a five-year-old <laughs> saying these deep philosophical things. And I felt like this is like one of those like uh Twitter <laughs> Instagram oh, things. It's just like my two-year-old said, don't buy me candy, invest in a 401k or a Roth IRA. <laughs> Sounds legit to me. <laughs> so while they're holding hands here, um, the team, the outsiders team known now as Gorilla squad, <laughs> Okay, guys, simmer down. <laughs> <laughs> they head on over to this um to this area where uh LexCorp facility is at for his robotics factory, and they're met by the same armored Lex box that they have been facing off against this entire time. They also come face to face with the team of onslaught, which includes Devastation, Mammoth, and the Shimmer, and now their newest recruit, Match.
0: Ah, uh, okay, bringing it back.
1: Um, so Tara says that, you know, y'all should just go and handle this because I want to take care of this myself since I have um, have some aggression about people who kidnap royalty. A little call back to what happened to her. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, it's a little too much for her. So she does call in some reinforcements. That includes the Mongoose squad, uh, which is includes... <laughs>
0: shaking my head, people.
1: <laughs> Which includes Kid Flash, Forger, Windfall, and LiveWire. Um, everybody's fighting. Superboy is fighting against match. It's a it's a long, drawn-out battle. Um, meanwhile, Oracle is on the phone trying to, she's having a video call with some people who were testing something about um what might have been the thing that they found and um in in Perdita's homeland. And they realize that it's something dangerous. And that dangerous thing is kryptonite.
0: So all of this for kryptonite, of course.
1: Yeah. And it gets used in a really interesting way because just when Superboy is able to um, at least calm down, match a little bit to take him down for a quick second. This is where we see a glowing green because now we introduce a brand new character. To the Young Justice universe, as we have Juan Cordero, aka Metallo.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that there wasn't a Metallo in this universe yet.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about. I was just like, it feels like it may just been like an old Superman villain, but it, it makes sense if it's like you made Match and there hasn't, you've never made a Bizarro, and that's the Bizarro, so it should make something for Superboy as well, and this Juan Cordero is Metallo now, this younger version um, who is, we find out super loyal to Lex. (laughs) Great to know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, we close out that issue with another flashback continuing on the story of um, Green Arrow versus Dark Archer. Um, And it's just Leanne saying that like she wanted to tell him, she wanted to tell Uncle Ali a good story So she's telling that story where it ends with both Merlin and Green Arrow pointing an arrow at each other, saying that whoever um, we're going to do this match for one more time, whoever wins gets it all. Mm. Our next issue begins with Perdita, the real Perdita now, waking up, demanding to be released, but she doesn't get any answers. And the fighting still continues. Unfortunately, now Superboy is facing off against um metallo he's losing terribly and this is when we get a bit of a backstory on who metallo is so metallo found out that he was a metahuman with self-healing powers and he was always worried that he'd be an outcast but fortunately luthor always supported him um he got he got his mom a job at LexCorp. he paid for his sister to go to good schools um Juan joined the army and he always wondered how can he pay back Lex for every good thing that he has made possible in his life. Lex was just like, nah, you're good. However, <laughs> um, he does tell him about how Superman and Superboy have always kind of rejected him when it came to helping match. Like he always wanted to have to have match feel like a part of their family. <laughs> Uh, sure Lex so Juan states that he was so disgusted by Superboy for rejecting Lex his father and then publicly betraying him by outing him by saying that he force cloned him and all that when that clearly wasn't the case so he decided that he was going to show Lex that he is the better son by giving his body over to science and going through several unpleasant surgeries so that all of his body could become steel, turning him into the Boy of Steel.
0: You don't have to do this to impress your dads, everybody. No matter what you guys are going through, don't don't do this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, honestly, most dads would just be proud if you just bring them some food or beer or something. Just yeah, they'd be don't, happy. <laughs> don't
0: turn your body to metal for
1: your dad. So. This is when he reveals that all that was required was his power source, and this is when Luthor was able to find uh, the piece of kryptonite in Perdita's homeland, so now he's ready to kill Superboy. This leads into more fighting outside, because now um, Miss Martian, she flies in with Baby, She's um, she floats into the building, she's getting the details of what's going on, and... She starts realizing that the reason why it's been so hard for to find Perdita is because she's under the control of Simon. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Miss Martian shields the squad from getting attacked by Simon, which includes um, them being able to halo um, to boom tube in Halo Tigress, Arrowet, Arsenal, and Red Arrow, and they're able to knock out Simon. Um, but it does attract some company because in that moment, um, they realize that one, if they try to wake up Perdita from her current state, Simon had booby-trapped it so that if she did wake up, she was, her psyche was self-destruct. Hmm. And when that happens, they hear um, someone come through the door and it's Count Vertigo. Uh, Count Vertigo sends out his Vertigo waves and he's just like, don't worry. I'm still going to take y'all down, but it's not going to be by me. And that's when Queen B enters the room and she asks and wishes for Red Arrow, Arsenal and Halo to all volunteer to be under her control and to be her warriors. As we all watch on as they kill everyone else in the room, including Arrowhead, Tigress and Miss Martian, all dead on the floor, which includes um, Tigress getting shot in her chest with an arrow. This Martian getting her heart ripped out. It's just bad. It seems like a bad situation. That's issue five. It ends with another continuation of Oliver's fight in the airport. Um, If this is sounding familiar for anybody, Greg Weissman basically did this as a DC short. (laughs) 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 And it ends the same way, which is where we come to the conclusion of our series, of our set of stories here. Uh, Perdita. Wakes up fully alert of what's going on. She sees that Count Vertigo, Queen Bee, and Simon are all standing around here with Arsenal, Halo, and Red Arrow also by their side. Um, and she's Queen Bee starts to explain how she was able to control the team and had them kill the others. Perdita starts blaming her uncle. But then this is when Vertigo says that either way, it wasn't about me. And even though I know that I can't necessarily become king through your death, What can happen is that if you end up dying in this area that we are currently standing in, people are going to be upset about that, our people. So most likely, they'll just be so gracious of me doing everything that I can to save you to make me king. You know, if before 2020, I would have said this
0: plot is ridiculous. but (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. (laughs)
1: But, you know, things change. <laughs> <laughs> um, All this is happening. And then when Queen Bee orders Halo to kill Perdita now, she's ready to comply. But we do see in a flashback that um, they have a quick and easy way to take down Queen Bee's skills. So they realize that what she can do is a combination of pheromones and a low-level psychic push. Miss Martian says that she can handle that, the psychic push part. But well, Red Arrow explains that, apparently, don't ask him. Strong garlic pills can thwart pheromones. Uh, I'd like to see the science on this. Same, <laughs> same. Like I get when people's like, if someone's breath smells like garlic, you're not going to lean in towards them. But pheromones, my brother, that that's a little too much. <laughs> um uh, meanwhile this is when halo decides to drop the facade showing that she never actually obeyed queen b um that the whole every all the dead teammates was all in the losing by miss martian um so they're able to take down everybody in the room um this is when they decide they're like all right Miss martian is going to go help Superboy. uh perdita is going to fly going to head back into the bio ship or baby now so halo opens up a boon tube And she's a little, Perdita's a little worried, but she they assure her that it's Miss Martian Tigress. They got this handled. As they head on to the fight, where Stargirl is, who is also a part of the Outsiders team and is very upset right now because apparently Shimmer burned and destroyed her cosmic staff. Off screen, great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everybody else starts fighting. Beast Boy is able to take down... um, Mammoth and Devastation. Wonder Girl, she's um sorry she she's able to fight Devastation um because Devastation apparently has always had beef with Wonder Woman, so she's just like it's a girl, what can you do? We I think we've seen this battle. We know how it plays out. <laughs> and as this is all happening, Metallo is still beating up on Superboy. Uh Match is laying unconscious next to them, and then this is when Miss Martian flies in and tells him Tells um, Metallo, you need to step away from my husband because he has already died once this year. I'm not losing him again. And she shatters his hands with telekinesis and then uses the telekinesis to rip out the kryptonite from his chest. That's
0: metal. I love
1: it. (laughs) So this is when they open up the boom tube. Everybody's good. Everybody's safe. There's one last thing to do, and that's to confront Lex Luthor so we see that our main team they use a, f- a combination of a force bubble and a glam and a glamour charm to conceal themselves, stealing <laughs> Lex Luthor while he's in the middle of a meeting to confront him about everything that he did. But most importantly, Calder says, I just want to let you know that Perdita is family and moving forward, she is off limits. Mm. Luther's like. Yo, I faced off against Superman. What can you do? And Calder just says, anything possible. <laughs> okay, Calder. hmm And so here, Luther Shook gets returned back to his desk. Meanwhile, um, we see everybody's healing up. Connor is in his solar suit in the solar pod. Um, Superman, Miss Martian, and Nightwing are talking about the events, and they're like, they were able to clear out um Perdita, any kind of leftovers from Simon and Perdita's mind. Nightwing is disappointed that they lost to the Kryptonite, though. But McGann says that at least the, um, everybody else is safe, and that's the most important thing. And Superboy's like, yeah, everybody is safe. As we look on to the next solar pod that's there, as Match is getting healed up because there's, he says, it's time to finally save our brother.
0: Hmm. Okay, nice little ending for Match, a character I completely forgot about until now. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Also in the hospital where everybody was in that um, pharmaceutical coma, uh, they all wake up. They all wake up really suddenly, including (laughs) Benny, who's just like, where's Perdita? And they assure him that he's safe. Um, This kind of ends our story here, except for one last post credit where we see that during that mission with Oliver, um, at the end of it, he did win. And he was able to propose to Dinah, who finally got out of being stuck on her plane due to everything that was happening. Um, so that's how their story gets their beginning and end there. Um, also, uh, Tigress, she's she's flying the baby, the bioship, and she's remembering how Perdita kind of came into their lives. Back when uh, Perdita, in our season one, she needed that heart transplant and it was the, apparently the fourth and this is like the fourth anniversary of her getting that heart transplant and when Wally and Perdita first met. Mm. Perdita saw Wally as someone of comfort for her because she always used to call him whenever she was scared about something especially because their her life has started when she was just such a young queen so she always found inspiration with him and he was able to, always able to calm her down. And he also ends it with saying that, like, don't worry, I'll always be here for you. Unfortunately, as we know, Wally does pass away due to his um, due to his, his heroic actions. And as they're talking about that, Perdita is devastated in the background. And this is when Garfield comes up to her and tries to console her because he does know that um, Wally was a good friend of his and didn't really know that how close he and Perdita were. So that's when we saw the beginning of their relationship. And all this was to say that um, Tigris is looking back and she's just like, you know what? Perdita is always going to be family. We're always going to keep her safe. And I'm glad that we're able to do this on November 11th. Happy birthday, Wally.
0: Hmm. Okay. Bringing
1: in a nice, nice
0: heartwarming Wally after the match stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh so that was that was targets. I think it was nice. I it's you know, it's a nice little read if you just want more young justice. Nothing gets added on, nothing gets added on with the um the infinitors, like that's all that shady stuff is still going on. I think it does a good job of like cleaning up some of the storylines for the team. I'm glad that Beast Boy and Perdita didn't get back together. I'm very happy about that because mm-hmm. that felt like a natural end to their relationship but i'm glad that perdita does know that her connection isn't contingent on her dating beast boy but rather and it's something that comes up she's just like i feel like i'm always going to be the damsel in distress distress and people assure her that like no you actually orchestrated um a very covert mission that involved many heroes across several teams from different experiences so you're not a damsel in distress you're one of us Mm. So it was a nice way to end it, especially because at the end of the story um, uh, Greg Weissman includes his never ever the end to to share with us that like these stories aren't ever going to be completed but we can get a sense of completion from them. And with that, uh, we're going to hop on over to our superlatives because now that is the complete and official end of the Young Justice storytelling. Uh, So as we get ready to give these awards we're gonna grab some shoe shine and stuff to clean them off real quick uh, so while we do that here's a podcast in the forgotten entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us
0: hi everyone master jedi colleen here co-host of bohemian geek studies and yet another star wars podcast but i'm not only a podcaster i'm also an author My second novel was published last fall, and it debuted as number one horror novel on Amazon, which was really cool. If you like Stephen King, Weird Happenings in Small Towns, or just looking for a new writer, give my novel, The Falls, a try. It's set in Minnesota, where everyone wears that nice facade, nothing is ever what it seems. Find The Falls by Colleen McMillan on Amazon and the Between the Lines publishing
1: website. All right, now it is time for the awards. Uh, These heroes have fought long and hard for this. They have survived two cancellations. They have grown with us. Some have grown beards. Some have grown um, dad bods. Um, Looking at you, (laughs) Will Harper. But get mad respect for the clipboard. So now it is time to start off with our first award.
0: So, uh, first and foremost, starting off strong, the best villain of Young Justice, I would like to award this to none other than Mr. Savage, the most savage man on Earth. This man, besides being an absolute savage, (laughs) has pretty much the coolest backstory in, in terms of any villain in Young Justice. Going back to Atlantis, explaining that he was pretty much responsible for Atlantis sinking, and a whole breed of metahumans uh so so and he made moves most of his plans worked out or had benefited him in some way so i'm giving it to vandal savage uh r.i.p to miguel ferrer who originally voiced him what a great performance you will be missed and uh thank you for bringing savage to life um and I do want to clarify that even though Vandal Savage won the best villain, the actual biggest threat in the Young Justice universe is the hearing loss from the boom tubes every time they open.
1: Yeah, I'm still cleaning out my ears from that one in the pal- the Royal Palace last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, also want to give a quick honorable mention to uh, Clary and the Witch Boy. Even though you did not get our best villain award, we will always recognize that every time you appeared, you earned a W. Because if you think about it, the only real loss he had was against the child. Yeah. Every time he, he he had to go, it was because he was summoned away or he legit stopped the fight as a favor. <laughs> <laughs> Clarion is not to be messed with. Clearly not. <laughs> All right. Next up. Um, of course... You know, the villains are the baddest of the bad, meaning that we had to give it to the best of the best. But sometimes heroes could be not the best of the best. (laughs) So we have today the award for lamest hero. Who are you giving this one to? Look,
0: Lagoon Boy was close. Uh, I got to say Lagoon Boy was swimming towards this award, but he does become Aquaman 3. So I guess that means you can't That's be. the concretely. only times you'll ever hear Aquaman three in the context. <laughs> oh
1: open... damn,
0: damn, coming for Jason Momoa. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, this is going to go to Mal Duncan, uh, who <laughs> pretty much accomplished nothing his entire heroic career, and I, I will not be taking questions at this time. He he won the award by. <laughs> <doing> <laughs> By failing all the way to the
1: top. All right. I have someone completely different, but I'm throwing my option away. It is Mal <laughs> I Mal I forgot Mal existed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Mal Duncan. Uh, the great guardian who has like a one-day career, honestly. <laughs> I, I hope that's... I hope your kid was actually born on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, because I feel like that's the only win you're going (laughs) to (laughs) get.
0: Next up, uh, next award we have is Young Justice. Um, Young Justice Phantoms was notably broken up into distinct arcs. So, uh, of course, there's good and bad, but we're only concerned with the bad today. So (laughs) who gets
1: the award for worst season five Phantoms arc? Oh, man. Like, you know, we had a lot of issues with this in terms this season in general. But the one who I feel kind of failed the mission, I'm sad to say it, it's got to be Rocket. Mm. I want to give it to Artemis. I did because the Artemis arc was a lot. But if you're looking back on the Rocket arc, she had one episode and three minutes in another. And Rocket, it's not... You didn't fail the arc. The arc failed you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I'm saying this once, and I've said it once, and I'll say it again until my last breath. I don't understand why a rocket arc, a milestone media hero, did not take place in Dakota City for more than five minutes. Hey, no, you all you got.
0: It, they put you on a whole other planet, in <laughs> a whole other plot with Cortonian Killmonger. And introduced, brought back a, a character from a different TV series
1: entirely. Yeah, yeah they gave him more background than Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, that's for me. I feel like Rocket got it. But what about you? What, what about you, Angel? What are you feeling? Well, from the beginning, I promised this when we covered
0: it. But let's go back to the Artemis arc which I think deserves the worst arc because it was just an absolute mess from top to bottom. (laughs) But I did promise I would take a look and see if anything could be done. So I have a quick bullet points of how this arc could have gone to possibly save it. So in the new version, the Arte Altered version of the Artemis arc, it starts where Artemis hears Superboy's death. That's the first thing that happens. She hears Mm -hmm. Superboy is dead. Upon hearing this, she decides she's going to retire. And her reasoning is, you can't be a superhero and have family. You can risk losing your family, just like Megan lost Superboy. So she said, for Leanne's sake, I'm quitting being a hero. So for the first episode, she is quitting. We see her normal life. No hero stuff whatsoever for Artemis. But she decides to jump back in to help after hearing that League of Assassins members are kidnapping any kids of Assassins members. They're trying to consolidate their numbers. So anyone who is a kid of an Assassin member is in jeopardy. That means Leanne. So Artemis does get reluctant at first. She just wants to consult and go into hiding with Leanne at first, saying this is how to protect her family. When she says protecting her family, we get a hard cut to Cheshire. Cheshire was trying to confront Sensei, Talia, And it's pulling up to them and saying, I heard you're kidnapping assassin kids. You will not get mine. I'll kill you before you do that. And they are like, yo, 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 first of all, you can't kill us. We're too good. Secondly, we're not the ones doing it. It's a whole other faction of League of Assassins. At this point, we cut back to Artemis, who right when she's uh, getting involved, she finds somebody spying at her home. She nearly beats the stuffing out of Onyx. But Onyx explains she is a spy from the assassins trying to stop this plot. Shortly after, Cassandra sense shows up and says, oh, I'm also trying to stop this kid capture plot. I don't want this to happen at all. Uh, so we, the rest plays out a little bit similar where they're trying to figure out who they can trust. Except in the second episode, we get Orphan's backstory because we know she is the the daughter of Shiva, Lady Shiva. So we're going to get that in episode two so Mm. that we actually have connections (laughs) earlier (laughs) on to Orphan. Get her whole backstory, her connection to Batgirl. At the end of the episode, she is kidnapped. Um, Cheshire is also back in the mix saying she needs to actively try to save her daughter um, and won't go home in fear that the League of Assassins will come and get her daughter. So with this, they go to Santa Prisca to save Onyx and hopefully stop this plot. Um, and again, during this arc two, we're gonna get three parallels. We're gonna get of family in the assassins, we're gonna get the Artemis flashbacks now connected to bad parents who are associated with League of Assassins. And uh, the purpose of all of this at the end would was going to be to actually pull Artemis in. That's what the whole goal would have been not to just randomly steal data, but the league of assassins wanted Artemis. They were hoping to blackmail her by kidnapping Leanne, but they're like, well, since you seem to care about Onyx, this will do now. You're going to work for us permanently, but they all get out of it as they did in the episode. In the last episode, Onyx settles things with her mom. Um, and instead of Cheshire deciding to randomly hang out with a few assassins, at the end of this arc, what she'll learn and Artemis, Artemis will learn she can't stay inactive. She still needs to be a hero for the world's sake. Even to protect Leanne, she needs to be more active in the world and stay active. Cheshire learns she's been actively trying to save her daughter by going after assassins, by doing all these things. But she actually needs to get balance in her life and embrace family. And not by the assassins teaching her. But she's going to go to Artemis and say, can you teach me how to be a mom? Mm -hmm. And that's where we're going to end the arc. Not randomly left on a random (laughs) freaking island in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Um, Yes. So Artemis will teach Cheshire with the hope that one day they'll get back to Leanne. But that is the Artemis arc. Um, And then you can she's not in the rest of the show until they need her at the end. So um, (laughs) (laughs) there's not much else after that.
1: But there you go. That's the rewritten Artemis arc. Okay, I like that a lot, especially because it's the 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 kids of the League of Assassins is something. Even the League of Assassins, I feel, it got pushed very much to the background for a lot of storytelling. It felt like we kind of focused in on this, like for the whole series as a whole, it's just like clones and espionage, and it's just like you omitted the biggest grouping of espionage. <laughs> Like that would have been perfect, especially because it didn't make sense that like once um Ra's al Ghoul left the light that he was completely gone. Like he and especially because it was like Deathstroke was a part of the light and was doing his own thing. Shiva had his connections to like it would have been mm. nice to see, especially because with Artemis, it felt like it was like unsure. Of, like, are we showing Artemis as a leader or are we showing Artemis as an individual? And we never got that from the true story. This here gives more of just like we're tapping into Artemis. We're understanding now that like the the, her losing Superboy is so fresh that she's just like it's not unfamiliar for her to be like, let me take care of what's close to mine right now because she has left the life before. And the reason why she left that she was back in the life again was because she was like without Wally, she needed something to fill her heart. Mm -hmm. Yet the family is what's filling her heart.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, and also just another point of emphasis that the flashbacks would not just be random. They'd Mm -hmm. be more about Sportsmaster trying to convince her to be dark because during this arc, she would, in a bad place because of Superboy, embrace darker instincts. Like, I'm really serious. She Mm. would nearly beat Onyx to death. She would almost kill a few people along the way. And that's when the assassins are like, you're perfect. You can be the assassin you made her we made Mm -hmm. you to be paralleled with what's going on with onyx that way it all ties in to like an actual arc for artemis because she's a great character um just shortchanged in the final season
1: yeah yeah i like that i like that a lot i this should be the rewrite for this should be season (laughs) five just rewrite (laughs) season four for us please and let this be it (laughs)
0: season five danny phantoms um (laughs) but now that we covered the worst parts of the story I think it's time to highlight the best. So um, what is your best episode of season one? All
1: right. Uh, best episode of season one. Um, it's a little bit of a two-parter here, but ultimately I'm going to have to give this one to Failsafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Failsafe is the episode in which they were dealing with their little Kobayashi Maru. Um, where they had the alien invasion, and unfortunately, everybody fell apart. And then this is when you found out that this was all a mental training exercise that unfortunately McGann, um, due to her being so connected and involved and feeling the emotions of when certain people were dying, took complete control over it, and now everybody thought that this was a real situation. Uh, thankfully that didn't happen. And we learn that this, again, this is all a training exercise that flows into the following episode of Disordered. Um, You know, unfortunately, this was the the episode where we got introduced to the Superboy having the B-plot (laughs) storyline. Oh, God. But it did lead into some great scenes in which every single uh, member of the team has a conversation with Dinah during a very open... um, a therapy session so it's like i think those two together work well but you do need fail safe in order to mm-hmm. truly appreciate it because of the fact that it's like fail safe and i think it's just me i truly like seeing what happens when heroes lose for some reason yeah. <laughs> i started realizing that in this podcast but i think this showed such a way where it's just like you never knew what to expect next you know is whenever you saw someone die it was so shocking especially because this was like in the first half of the first season. <laughs> and here it is that like, you don't know where to come to next. But tying that together with the therapy sessions afterwards was icing on the cake. So uh, giving it to fail safe. How about you?
0: Misplaced. Uh, season mm. one episode where kids and parents are separated in two different dimensions. And Shazam has the ability to travel between both of them because he is a kid transforming into an adult. Uh, the, the premise is so inventive first of all and retroactively because of what they end up doing with dr fate this is the episode famously where zatara takes on the helmet of fate after zatana puts it on to solve this world academic- epidemic so um it does this episode's effect ripple out to the very end into their entire arc <laughs> so i think it's such a fun premise such a good showing for shazam who doesn't get a lot to do during the series, despite being a kid. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it's definitely far and away. Far and away for me. Uh, That is one of my favorite episodes of the series overall, but definitely the season misplaced. Uh, Go right into season two. Complications, baby. Any episode where Sportsmaster bursts in with a grenade inside of a submarine, you had me. (laughs) That Sportsmaster. Um, But it's also a fun mission where... While Artemis and McGann are basically undercover, well, while Artemis and Anquilad are undercover, trying to get McGann to safety, everything possible that could go wrong does... The episode does not have a happy ending for everybody, but the best ending under the circumstances, and I'm, I'm sorry, it's just Sportsmaster. Yeah, I had to get a Sportsmaster episode. In.
1: Sportsmaster. How about you? Rightfully. Complications. There yeah, we go. The <laughs> Sportsmaster. Look, you have lines such as, like, that's my girl. I taught you that maneuver. And it's like, ah, my baby girl's tricking, the, tricking my enemies. That's what's up. Like, yo, you can't beat that. But I think the thing that really brings it to a head is just the fact that it's such a well-written plot that we have of just like there doesn't seem like a way to actually get out of it because it's like Miss Martian has to tend to Calder after she broke his mind but then fixed it all back together but now everybody knows that at least the heroes know the secret so it's like how do they get out of this scenario with Deathstroke having his finger on the trigger from a submarine from the opposite side, <laughs> that has like a camera, and he has a camera looking in to make sure that she doesn't do anything funny. But if anybody else tries to help her in any way, shape, or form, they're all screwed. And then we have this really random revenge plot that comes out so well written because it gets proper buildup, and you have Sportsmaster giving some excellent commentary. It's all wonderful. There is nothing that can beat that. There are some great episodes in Young Justice, but Complications knocks it out the park.
0: Yeah. Uh, clear in a way. I don't know how you're going to follow that with season three, but what's your season three episode? <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I My level of enthusiasm <laughs> is probably not going to be the same, but I am going to have to give it to Evolution. Um, that Vandal Savage storytelling was really great. We get a chance to meet the man behind the myth of it all. Uh, it does get expanded on a lot more in season four. However, I think Evolution gives us a great introductory to all of that and to end it in such a shocking way where he kills someone um for, like, kills his own daughter because he doesn't want his secrets to get out. All this is while this is happening where it's just, like, the rest of the team, they are talking with their new recruits of Halo, Brion and Forger and trying to figure out, like, hey, is there... um Is there something, a a code name that you want? And at that moment, um, they decided to go with the Halo name because it was something that they heard from Brion. Um, Forger going with Forger because that's the only name he knows. (laughs) (laughs) And Brion, even the jokes about like the hot lava, and then having um, the older members of the team talking about their own little kind of growth with like understanding and picking a name. Like those are just small moments that were still so well written mm-hmm. in my opinion, but then still knocking out the park was just like this random Vandal Savage episode that ends up entering the series has no connection really to what's going on, but does an amazing job of tying together some of the biggest things that happened in the season. How uh, about you? What are you thinking?
0: Yeah. It just reminds me of those, those prime days of a uh, young uh, Justice League Unlimited, you know, those mm-hmm. one-off adventures. Uh, sometimes those are nice. Um So honestly, originally I was ready to give it to Lepridge because it's a fun Outsiders mission, legitimately surprising to come against the Suicide Squad, um, also while dealing with the diplomatic situation and showing the need for the covert teams. But after hearing that these people came back in the comic of Targets, it's going to be private security, baby, all the Roy's (laughs) together uh, to solve a mission. Come on, that's just too fun. Bowhunter Security is so fun to watch together. They have such great chemistry, even though they're essentially the same person. And (laughs) it was just fun to see, you know, Nightwing out of costume helping out. Um, I wish Clayface would have been there. That's the only thing that could have made it better. But just seeing normal humans, not any, no special abilities, just trying to keep things safe um, and, you know, protect Bruce Wayne's interests uh, I know Bruce Wayne had some skin in this game somewhere. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm giving it to private security. Um, and for my final uh, season four, I, it's got to be in forward spelling, get ready mm. um, the episode where three young magic students are tested as chaos rises as a threat in the back of the world. And we get more backstory fleshing out the magical portion of this world this episode has some of the most beautiful animation in the series yeah it really the again the amount of time maybe two minutes (laughs) spent introducing the characters before they have their own individual struggles characters we don't even know and you feel invested in it's remarkable it's remarkable what was done with these characters in such a short time i still to this day think this is one of the best written episodes of Young Justice out there. Uh, I'd watch it again right now, um, <laughs> but we're recording. So that's <laughs> mine. Uh, what is your season four most whelmed episode?
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, do want to give some honorable shout outs and mentions to um, episodes like Zenith and Abyss, as well as, um, so Zenith and Abyss being um, when everything came to a head of the entire plot of of, like, the Kryptonians being placed on Trombus and Nightwing doing the you shall not pass. And it was just like, (laughs) you know what? This is written for the fans. They knew because it was just like, these people would be watching stuff like this. Um, Also another honorable mention to involuntary, which was the last episode of the Superboy Miss Martian arc, just because um, it was, I think it was just the craziest set of things to come out (laughs) with like the the priestess being the one that killed the king like what <laughs> curveball oh and then found the way to hide this hide it all by claiming to her faith i was just like that is that is excellent murder mystery writing in my <laughs> opinion <laughs> but overall the the thing that takes it all is definitely got to be taggy air, aka get ready um, because like you said, Andrew, everything about it just really just seeing getting a chance to learn about who these he- new heroes are really quickly was just so great. Um, I think just even in connection with like what it is that they're trying to do, telling them to actually get ready for this whole entire fight that they're about to be a part of because the world's gonna come to an end. It's really well written, especially with the end when we have this conversation between Nabu and Zata. Um, zatara uh because they're having a conversation about faith and that illustration of just nabu standing in front of the ankh while uh, zatara standing in front of the cross Mm. and how even though they look so different they have so many similarities it's it was great i think we need something in that way to show us that like there are a lot of connections worlds can be bridged and if you all know that there's an opportunity for you to fight for what you believe in, uh, follow our three sentinels of magic here. Cause they did what they needed to do. hmm
0: Yeah. They found their own way. Yeah. You know, and it's they got it's, ready. Yeah, they got <laughs> they don't
1: have to get ready
0: anymore. They are, they stay ready. <laughs> they like Zod. Like Zod. <laughs> And yes, the most fired track is uh you didn't even need to ask. We don't need to award oh, yeah. that. It already has Grammys, it's already certified platinum, so relax, yeah. everybody. We're currently uh, working on the <laughs> remix, if anything.
1: We'll so, <laughs> drop a sick beat to it later on. <laughs> you know, Miles, let's do it. So uh
0: now, now that we have gotten through the best story elements, I think it's time to crown characters to wrap up our young Justice Arc. Um, I
1: think. Starting off with the best, yeah, uh, best character that exemplified the goal of Young Justice. Yeah, so we're we're gonna go into the best
0: character storyline uh, first, and I think even though it was late in the game, it's Zatara. I think Zatara, um, mm. really, from he started out as this father worried about his daughter joining the league, sort of Satana, and getting into the hero life. And from there, he evolved into this person who would do anything for his daughter, including putting on the helmet of fate. And for a while, they were separated by fate and writing. (laughs) They couldn't get back together. Hmm. But finally, when we get his backstory, when we learn his responsibility to the world, even though he is an outsider to the country, to the superhero world, and his willingness to go in because it's the right thing to do and to finally be freed at the end of it, What a fantastic journey he went on. And I really think um, even though it's in the background, I think it's the most well-structured beginning, middle, end of a story. Um, A lot of other people, they get these extensions past their end uh, that I don't think, oh, necessarily always serve them, but Zatara started and ended right where he needed to.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think uh, Zatara, you know, it's, it, it was it was complicated because I I didn't think about that at first because of the fact that it was just, I just completely connected him with um, Nabu. But you're right. Like everything that he did was for the sake of his daughter. And that storyline um, continued out from beginning to end. Um, I think for me, the character who had the best storyline was. I I did have some trouble with this, to be honest, because Mm. I kept leaning. I realized I kept leaning towards characters that started a little with dark storylines that Mm. then found the light. And because of that, I'm actually going to lean towards um, Will Harper Mm. because, you know, we hated him at first. He was such a cocky, arrogant (laughs) individual. That we realized has so much more happening for him, and then by the end of the series, to find out that like he was a clone being mind controlled this entire time, he wasn't in control of his own actions. And then he spends the following season trying, like, you saw him going through it, you saw him hit his worst. He wasn't getting haircuts, he was stealing money from people. <laughs> Um, And then he had this intervention and he ends up finding the main thing that he's been looking for this entire time, but it doesn't turn out to be something nice because now he's run. There's this like aggravated younger version of him running around, blowing up random, um, (laughs) random like um, headquarters for certain people. So. And I think that over time we saw that he became this, arrogant person who was so motivated to be a part of the Young just of the um Justice League that turned into someone who was so lost because he kind of got what he wanted but then realized it was not really what he really wanted mm-hmm. and then having it end with it just him being like he's going to be a better father he's going to work on keeping his business intact and it's a great business with Bowhunter security like let's be honest <laughs> so we, I think for me, Will Harper uh, has the best character storyline because it does show an individual that, you know, we're not expecting every single person in Young Justice to be like, we're going to start with an aqua boy and this person is going to turn into an aqua man or, you know, the greatest hero of all time. The greatest hero of all time doesn't have to be someone who... um who saves the day in like tights and the mask. It could just be someone who's just recognizes that like, all right, I need to take that step back because I now have more responsibilities outside of going out and saving the day. And he's taking care of business at home. So to me, um, and just to see his happiness about that too, uh, is the greatest thing for me. Cause it's like, here he is, he recognizes that he can be happy not jumping into to save the day every time, but still finding space for that with a clipboard and a pen.
0: <laughs> a new one. <laughs> um. So that's a, <laughs> obviously most successful character storylines, but who failed the mission for you? Who stumbled and didn't really make you believe <laughs> that they were a part of this team?
1: <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to give this to Beast Boy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Um mainly because like from the start, Beast Boy always wanted to be a hero. um that's why I felt like he you know he he had the strong connections because his mom was an actress, and you know he gets to he gets introduced to all these like young heroes at a very young age at a very impressionable age, so he tries his best to try to see if he can even be a hero and unfortunately it does lead to a lot of dumb decision, decisions on him on his part that leads to him getting hurt in an explosion to a blood transfusion um, he does have a dark origin story as time progresses with the loss of his mom the loss of his foster parents and foster family and everything but I think that where he failed was that he expected too much to come for him too soon mm-hmm um, I think that for him to take on the outsiders, establish the outsiders team in the way that he did, it felt, yeah, like he's, he has, he's a, he's like a public facing figure. But at the same time, I think he was more focused on the, the, the notoriety of being a hero like that to show them doing the good work that he actually did about the, about the actions itself. And I think the more that he never took the time to, actually acknowledge that heroes experience loss. And I get it that like, and I'm not saying in the sense of, um, you know, he he's struggling with depression. Yes. But I think at the same time, um, it didn't feel like he was using the resources that were available to him. So that's why I feel like parts of it was just like he didn't really follow the goal of Young Justice because he kept asking for too much responsibility too soon.
0: Yes, yeah, so the the one that failed the mission for me, and this is more of a writing thing, were actually the runaways uh consisting of Eduardo Dorado, yeah. static and the other ones. And I say the other ones because we never saw them again. <laughs> <laughs> they were either shuffled <laughs> off screen unceremoniously, something weird happened with that storyline, and I'm not sure why it was dropped because I mean, Static carried an entire show by himself, you know? Um, So him alone could have made for some rousing storylines, especially in the middle parts where there seemed to be less of an aim. So I think it would have been cool to get more of the runaways, more of the teens who had been through the system of metahuman trafficking and had suffered from it, trying to solve more of the problems. Yeah, it was kind of a downer not to get more of that. And I think there was a lot of potential left on the table there. Um, But I hope in the future, when these characters are brought back, they get more to do. But here they were just forgotten, (laughs) completely forgotten. Um, Yeah. But one thing we won't forget is our last award here. And that is the hero that exemplified Young Justice for you so who will walk away with this coveted award for you
1: well i hope this award is rust proof because uh this is headed straight down to poseidon as we are i am awarding this to cal (laughs) durham who from beginning to end just knocked it out the park he was the reluctant leader of the team um He made sure that everybody got out safe. He recognized when um, calls that he made weren't ideal. Like I'll never forget when after the fail safe episode during his conversation with disordered, he had two thoughts. One, he realized that his actions during that time, he was still thinking like a grunt soldier and not a leader of the team. And when he unfortunately sacrificed himself to save an individual and two, Um, He goes through and he's realizing that like he wants to call for his um, demotion from leader as the team. But as he's going through the list, he he's pinpointing everything that he's noticing as the leader and realize that, unfortunately, he still has to continue on. Now, I say unfortunately, because um, he's still a young hero and no one should have that much weight on their shoulders at that point but he does recognize that it is still him that has to take on that mantle. So I'll never forget that from season one. In season two, a man knocked it out of the park as the mole and then his work in summit, like, <laughs> ah, such a plus skills there. Um, Season three, that immediately pushed him up to the head of the justice league as the leader of the justice league as Aquaman himself. And even though, uh, he messed up by being a part of this like covert behind the scenes manipulation that the team was doing for the anti light. Although I'm surprised. I guess we just couldn't call it the dark. Um, but what he was doing <laughs> for the anti light, he recognized even then that he was wrong. And it all came to a head in season four. when He realized, you know, people are be trying to be there for him. But and he does fall in the sense of like not being able to take a break. But he does recognize when he does need to do so. But he does step up again when he needs to do so as well. So, for me, he showed us that you can be a young, impressionable hero, rise through the ranks, understand your worth, and still come out on top. And that is why, for me, Calder exemplifies the goal of young justice. What about you, Andrew? What are you thinking?
0: Like every good award, final award, it should be unanimous. And I agree. I think, even though, uh, There was a bit of a belly flop and his personal arc. I, I do think the journey he's gone on from sidekick to Aquaman, to legitimate Aquaman, leader of the Justice League, was extremely engrossing, extremely rewarding from start to finish. And I think what the show wanted to do for every character, to find not necessarily their place at the top of the Justice League, but to find where they belong in the world. Um, And I think Aquaman found that better than any of his compatriots who are still working on it. They'll still get there like all of us. But um, I think Aquaman is showing how you get there. It's by self-examination, forgiving yourself, and always committing to improving and getting to the next level.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. So congratulations, Aquaman. Yeah. It won this award. Uh, put it on the mantle. Let it shine brightly down there in poseidon
0: We have some f- Quartonian Killmonger's rooting for you. He's rooting for everybody black.
1: Yes, we root for everybody black mantle on this show. This <laughs> show. <laughs> All right. So that concludes our awards series for uh, Young Justice. And with that, that also concludes our coverage of Young Justice. I want to thank everyone that was joining us along for this journey that championed this show for us in terms of like voting for it during that voting thing that we did at the beginning of the year. Uh, it's wild when you think about it. It's just like when we started this show back in March, that this will take us all the way to the <laughs> end of the year here. Like I'm still shocked that we were able to um, to do this. Very happy about it too, because it is such a great show. And I think I'm um, hoping that this podcast allows you to re-appreciate to re- A lot of the stories that were being told um, and especially the messages that they were giving out, because that to us is really the key thing that we love about these animated series. It's not just here it is that we have another punch them up, fight them up battle. It's shows that are having these strong conversations in a medium that typically doesn't get associated with these conversations. And thankfully, though, shows like Young Justice are here to do that.
0: Yep, even in its not-so-good days. And Justice is a great ride. It's a great <laughs> intermediate uh, series between something like uh, Teen Titans and Invincible for like, those kind of kids growing up and mm. trying to find the next step. Stop here before you go there, uh, please. <laughs> Invincible's a little intense. <laughs> um, but and it has a lot of great, especially messages. for the blood content. Actually, oh I, I yeah, think this will <laughs> it'll it'll give them up. It'll it'll like get them there.
1: <laughs> All right, so with that, we're gonna wrap our episode here. Uh, be sure to check us out on our socials and our Patreon for upcoming content. Uh, also, as always, we're gonna make sure to do our holiday specials. So join us next time as we cover the new animated production that's coming out on Amazon. Uh, hashtag not sponsored as we cover merry little batman uh very excited about this one the art style looks a little uh weird and funky and cool um of course this is also going to be the first time we will see damian wayne in a very long time (laughs) so excited about that too um in the meantime take care of yourselves and remember that um make your life whatever it might be for yourself that you always be whelmed that you always be trot and you are forever feeling the aster.
0: Mm. And again, if your dad tries to turn you into metal, just say no.
1: <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Yet Another DC Animated Podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YA Animated Pod.